0: Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, February 27th. In today's news, the sheriff's deputy who wouldn't go inside a high school during the Florida massacre says he's not a coward. The Supreme Court temporarily protects the Dreamers from deportation. And Panama's government is now investigating President Trump's hotel there. But first, the big idea. Trump got a seminar on federalism as governors push back on arming teachers. President Trump crossed his arms and looked annoyed as Jay Inslee, the governor of Washington state, spoke out against arming teachers during an event at the White House on Monday. The governor said that he's listened to biology teachers and they don't want to do it. He's listened to first grade teachers and they don't want to pack pistols. He's listened to law enforcement and they don't want to have to train teachers on how to use guns. He told the president that he should listen more and tweet less. As the chairman of the Democratic Governors Association and a likely 2020 presidential candidate himself, Inslee was certainly grandstanding, but he has the credibility to do so. He lost his House seat back in 1994 because he had courageously voted for an assault weapons ban that he knew was toxically unpopular in his rural district. What followed, though, and what makes it interesting is a back and forth between Trump and other governors of both parties that became a sort of seminar on federalism and a reminder that states truly are the laboratories of democracy. It's a cliche, but it's true. Showing a little sensitivity to the bad optics of filling schools with guns, Trump repeatedly stressed to the governors that his plan is narrower in scope than the media coverage suggests. He's floated arming one in five teachers, but he said maybe it should be one in 10 or one in 20 the president repeatedly emphasized that anyone who brings a weapon into school should be heavily trained. In fact, the president said, quote, I want highly trained people that have a natural talent, like hitting a baseball or hitting a golf ball or putting. A little bit different, but that was the point Trump made. After Inslee spoke, Trump asked Texas Governor Greg Abbott to speak about how some teachers in his state are armed and how it's working out there okay. The president noted that other places have tried it without problems that Inslee warned about. Then Steve Bullock, the Democratic governor of Montana, another potential presidential candidate, chimed in to say that his nephew, an 11-year-old, was shot and killed by another kid on a playground a few years ago. He asked the president to be more careful about his language related to hardening schools and said parents might worry more about sending their kids off for the day if there are more guns in the classroom. Then Trump called on Phil Bryant, the governor of Mississippi, who talked about how guns in schools work where he comes from. He told the story about an event in 1997 where a 16-year-old student came to his high school after killing his mother with a gun. He killed two students and began to shoot at others. But a vice principal who was an Army Reserve officer was able to retrieve his 45 and stop the shooter before he could kill other children. The president appreciated this. He was glad that Bryant had made this point. But he also appreciated the pushback from other governors, and he closed by stressing that he's not about to deal with many of the logistical challenges that stem from his big-picture idea. He said he's going to leave it all up to the states. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one a lawyer for the former Broward County Sheriff's deputy who failed to enter Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School during the shooting, says he believes that he acted appropriately because he thought the gunfire was happening outside the building. And he said in a statement, he wants the world to know he's not a coward. Former deputy Scott Peterson, who had been the school resource officer there for several years, was armed at the time of the shooting. He resigned last week after surveillance footage emerged that showed him taking up a position outside the school as kids were being slaughtered. He's faced strong criticism from many, including Trump. The sheriff's department is coming under intense scrutiny for its handling of the attack, not just for the deputy abdicating his responsibility, but also for missing so many red flags that might have stopped the massacre on Valentine's Day. Number two. The Supreme Court rejected the Trump administration's request to immediately review lower court rulings on the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, what's known as DACA. The lower court orders blocked the administration from ending the program on March 5th as planned. This means that the issue probably won't be decided by the high court before the next term, which might buy the dreamers more than a year. It also puts the onus back on Congress to reach a legislative agreement. But here's the rub. Both sides in the debate acknowledge that the lack of a clear deadline over DACA reduces pressure on lawmakers and ensures that this remains a tense political issue heading into the midterms. Number three, a standoff at the Trump International Hotel in Panama City, Panama has triggered an investigation into the Trump Organization. The investigation by that country's federal prosecutors is exactly what many ethics and legal experts have been warning would happen when the president refused to divest from his business interests. The majority owner of the hotel tried to fire the Trump organization last week, which has been managing the day-to-day operations there since 2011. The owner blamed the organization for poor management and a damaged brand. But the Trump organization, which is being run in a day-to-day way by Don Jr. and Eric, Refuses to leave. Yelling matches have broken out. The power was briefly turned off. The owner at one point started playing the lobby piano in defiance after he was denied a chance to fire staffers or even check into a room at his own hotel. He complained to Panama's government that he's been unlawfully blocked from his own property. In related news, the Trump organization said it has donated foreign profits from last year to the U.S. Treasury. But, They're refusing to offer any specifics on how much was donated, which Trump properties were included in the accounting, and which foreign entities have paid money into Trump's businesses. Every day, there are more new questions about conflicts of interest than answers. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, February 27th. Thanks so much for listening. I'm James Hellman, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Hi, I'm Mike Rosenwald. If you're looking for something new to add to your morning routine, try Retropod. Every weekday morning, we'll explore a story about a surprising moment in history. To learn how to listen on your Amazon Echo, Google Home, or your favorite podcast player, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod.